0: It was a weekend of highs, lows, and more Jimmy Jacks than you can shake a stick at. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome welcome
1: to Dinger Derby. Yeah. The yeah. official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby.
0: Welcome into Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, bringing you the Dinger Derby podcast once again. Took a week off last week, just had a lot of work things going on, not able to get a good recording time in and get it to you when it would matter for you. So I held off for a week. Glad to be back and glad to see the baseball we saw this weekend. Texas Tech, of course, dropped two out of three. In Manhattan to K-State, it was a bit of a surprise. It was obviously not what you wanted to see out of the Red Raiders as they really struggled offensively and struggled to stop the bats of the Wildcats. But they came in with high hopes against TCU, unfortunately not going the way of Texas Tech on Friday. So it turns into a three-game losing skid after a 7-3 loss on Friday night to TCU. But when you break down that game a little bit, I want to point something out to you. So Micah Dallas gets the start on Friday night for the Red Raiders. A lot of folks expected that to happen after Mason Montgomery had had some struggles in the Sunday spot. What we didn't know was that Brandon Birdsell not only moved to Sunday to make way for Dallas in that Friday spot, but also to give him a couple extra days of rest as he's had a flaring shoulder injury, and that saw Birdsell exit early on Sunday. It also saw him exit early against K-State in the Friday night game. Now, we didn't notice that because Texas Tech went off for a 17-1 to victory in that Friday night game against K-State. But now Birdsell may be questionable for about a week as he gets that shoulder back under control. So Micah Dallas really has a tough start For Texas Tech on Friday night against the Horn Frogs as he gives up six runs on four hits, no errors, and there's one left stranded at the end of it in the first against TCU. So you never want to start a game giving up six runs to start and starting so far behind. Tech did battle their way back, but they end up losing 7-3, but just do me a favor, remove the first inning. If you don't have first inning struggles, which saw a home run that was a two-run shot, there was a two-run triple, an RBI single, an RBI ground out, that's where those runs came from. If you pull out that six-run first, if that was a shutdown first, you've got the Red Raiders winning in a good 3-1 ball game over the Horn Frogs. Micah Dallas settled in and shut him down the rest of his outing. And he was followed by an excellent Mason Montgomery. Dallas goes four innings pitched. After that first inning, he gives up no more runs, only two more hits to the Hornfrogs. Frogs. So Dallas really looked good after the first. And I know I keep saying that, but that's just the reality of it. Dallas had three walks in that first inning. He only had one more the rest of the way as he, as I said, went four innings pitched, ended up throwing 92 He was followed by Mason Montgomery, who goes the rest of the way. So a combined complete game between just the two of them. Montgomery goes five innings pitched, one hit, one run. It was not earned. One walk and seven strikeouts. Dallas ends up with five strikeouts on the night. So the Red Raiders combined for 12. So other than a really difficult start, which we've seen in the past happen with Red Raider pitching, and you've looked for different and creative ways to make – a better combination or a better situation for those pitchers to come into. And maybe we'll see a little experimentation like that as well. But other than that, it was actually a really good close ball game when you got out of that situation. Now, the Red Raider offense did struggle on Friday night. They only hit 167 on the evening. That was six for 36. They were two for 13 with two outs. One for 15 with runners on and one for 14 with runners in scoring position. The one shining star in the stat line, Tech hit 333 in the leadoff, going three for nine. But otherwise, it was a tough one. Drew Baker did not crack the lineup all weekend. He is dealing with a strained muscle in the leg, and so... We may not see him for a little while as he rehabs that. That's a big deal for a speed guy like Baker, and you don't want to rush that one at all. Coach Tadlock did say in the postgame on Sunday that Baker's feeling better, but he's not quite to 100% yet. The other bit of a surprise from a lineup standpoint, Dylan Noisy does not crack the lineup until a pinch-hitting situation on Sunday, and it was kind of forcing the hand of Coach Tadlock to put him back in. Noisy dealing with some back soreness that came, Coach Tadlock said, from getting hit by a pitch in inner squads. And so abundance of caution. Once again, a guy that is a speed guy, is a big – weapon for you on the base paths as well you need him to be playing at a high level so it was a total shake up in the lineup for the red raiders cal conley moves up to the lead off on friday Jace Young's in the three-hole, still well clean up at first base. Braden Runyon starts in right field in place of Baker. Kurt Wilson starts in left as you move Dylan Carter over to center field. Rombach was the DH on Friday night. He reached on an error once. Uh, And then Parker Kelly, your third baseman, throughout the weekend and did a pretty good job. Runyon does not re-enter the lineup on Saturday, and you see another shakeup as Easton Morrell moves up into the one hole. He gets the start in right field, and that remains the same for Sunday as well. Stillwell stays there in cleanup. Conley moves to the five hole, where he also stays uh, the rest of the weekend. And then Cody Masters on Sunday moves up into the DH spot, and he's batting sixth. Kurt Wilson... Dylan Carter, Parker Kelly. Masters was also your DH on Saturday. Saturday, not exactly sure what to think about the team. You're a little bit nervous. You're feeling like, hey, not only are you out of the Big 12 race, but you might be out of the hosting conversation if you're not able to take this series from TCU. And let me tell you a little bit about what that looks like right now. Kendall Rogers broke the news and wrote a good article on D1Baseball.com about some news coming out of the NCAA. Normally, as most of you probably know or remember from previous seasons, NCAA baseball has a selection show. It's usually on Memorial Day, and that's when they build the field. They pick the 16 host sites, the national seeds, and you kind of see how the postseason is going to start to solidify at that point. This season, because of the season we're in, They are saying that they will actually select regional host sites, 16 regional sites, on May 10th. So those will be based on some mystery criteria that the NCAA has not identified yet. But from Kendall Rogers reporting, it sounds like they will be based in part on merit. So in part on the record of that host site, every team will have to apply if they want to be a host site, which I'm sure Texas Tech will. That home field advantage has been valuable over all the years that the Red Raiders have hosted regionals. So merit on the teams that apply, but also Rogers thinks that it will be location, ease of location for regional teams to come. So they're really looking to get back to that true regional model. He thinks that they're going to try to avoid making teams get on airplanes. That doesn't bode great for Lubbock, Texas. There's not a ton of teams in regional driving distance to come up here and play a regional series, especially when you think about three teams coming in, maybe New Mexico, maybe Dallas Baptist, somebody else within the state, maybe an Oklahoma team, hopefully not in the Big 12, you would think. Um, But that is what he's thinking. He also wondered aloud on some of their podcasts if the COVID restrictions in individual states will be taken into account and be favorable. He mentioned Arizona, that was an easy state to get to, and they had favorable COVID restrictions. Texas, of course, is fully open at this point, so potentially favorable COVID restrictions here as well. Texas Tech baseball is basically operating at full capacity. They never really released a percentage when they reopened things to season ticket holders. And at this point, they've had sellout crowds uh, of 4,400 plus. So uh, they're basically operating at full capacity. You certainly don't want to have to step back down into 25% or 50% for the postseason. That's going to be really difficult for fans to do, and there's going to be a lot of gnashing of teeth. But I say all of that to say if merit is going to be part of the regional site selection process, and that's happening on May 10th, then Every game in April just got much more serious. And it's very important for the Red Raiders to be winning games in April and that they're getting business taken care of. So this series is huge. TCU came in 6-0 and in Big 12 play. They had outscored the Big 12 opponents that they had swept 59-20, to I believe the run differential was. So getting a win over this team who really – on paper has been the best offensive team in the conference was vital for the Red Raiders resume and for their season success. So walking into Saturday, you've got a do or die situation. Of course, you've got your ace Patrick Monteverdi on the mound for you that day. Monteverdi had come back to earth a little bit against Kansas State, actually quite a bit against Kansas State. And so you were looking for him to bounce back a little bit. It wasn't exactly the day that you wanted to see is he did have one it was really one swing that hurt Monteverdi's stat line that day he goes five and a third he gives up six hits five runs four of them earned three walks and has six strikeouts Monteverdi lasts 101 pitches and as I said goes five and a third for you he issues a leadoff walk in the fourth and then following a single There's a fielder's choice that involves an error, and you end up with bases loaded. And then the D.H. Hunter Wolf steps in and on a single swing, plates all four of those earned runs that Monteverdi gives up as he hits the grand slam. So at that point in the game, that's a 4-1 lead over Texas Tech. Now the Red Raider offense answers with four runs of their own in the bottom of the fourth. And from there, they hold on to the lead for a couple of innings. It gets tied up in the sixth. And you go to extras, and I would imagine you've heard what happened since. Cal Conley walks it off with a solo shot over left field in that 10th inning, and it's a Red Raider victory. So the walk-off shot in the bottom of the 10th, that is the great news. That's what you're excited to see. But there was a couple of things that get covered up when you have a game end in that fashion, when you have all the excitement and the great pictures and the video that comes out from that. First of all, Easton Morrell leads off the game with a triple down the right field line. That is a hit that you need to see coming from Morrell. He's a switch hitter, generally bats lefty, and that is absolutely what you need him to be doing, especially if he's going to be in the lineup for an extended period or maybe even break in, depending on how Drew Baker's doing. You also don't want to forget Jace Young that night, going two for five, and he also reached on a fielder's choice that evening. No big shots, no big fanfare for Young that evening. One of those singles was a two-RBI single. He bunted himself aboard as well, something we saw from Cal Conley on Sunday. That's the kind of stuff the Red Raiders are doing a little bit more of, and you're starting to see them scratch themselves on base and be willing to Fight for runs a little bit more. And so I don't want those covered up. The other thing is the pitching of Ryan Sublette. The righty comes in with a 357 ERA, he comes in and pitches four fantastic innings for Tech. He gives up two hits, no runs, walks nobody, and he strikes out six in 55 pitches. He walks out with an ERA more than a full point lower at a two forty-nine. and Coach Tadlock described his stuff as elite, just incredible, exceptional stuff. He had the velo. He was 95-plus easily all through his appearance, but he also had the command. He had the location. He was really doing a good job getting ahead in pitch counts. Sublette ends up earning the win on the evening. He's 4 0 now on the season. And that dinger that Cal Conley hits off of River Ridings, the closer for. The Horn Frogs. It's the first home run he's given up all season. It's actually the first earned run he's given up all season, as he had a perfect ERA walking in and he leaves with a 129 after the 10 pitches he threw. He also closed things out on Friday night for the Horn Frogs. Not a save opportunity for him, but he did pitch in the middle of the game and had just 13 pitches. I'm surprised you didn't see him Sunday. I think you certainly could have, but all in all, Great walk-off win. You love seeing it in extras. You love the excitement and all the attention it generates for the team. But it was, still was not a great offensive night for the Red Raiders. And now they did put some better things together. You see improvement. But overall, 8 for 35 on the night. That's hitting 229. They did hit 250 with two outs. That leadoff number went from 333 up to 600. Runners in scoring position, they hit it at 200. So, not a great clip, but better than what they saw on Friday when runners on base hit 176. So, still improvement. They hit 333 with the bases loaded. All in all, it ended up being a better offensive night, but not a great offensive night. So, then you set yourself up for a rubber match on Sunday. It's going to be a little bit hotter. It's a noon start, which always gets you a little bit lower crowd, depending on where folks are, going to church, things like that. And you know you have Birdsell on the mound. He's been nails, and you're excited to see what he can do. So Birdsell comes out hot. He allows two hits, two base runners in the first couple of innings. He gets a couple strikeouts. Things are looking good. Into the third, he works a couple outs, gives up a single to center field. Suddenly, Tim Tadlock's coming out. He's calling time with the home plate umpire. He's bringing Brian Simpson, the trainer, out with him. And you know when you bring the trainer out to the mound, it's not going to be a good thing. They never looked at a hand. They weren't checking blisters, anything like that. It was a conversation. They call in a reliever, and his day is done after two and two-thirds. We did hear later it was a shoulder flare-up, and he just needs a little bit of time. Nothing like a season-ending elbow injury kind of situation. So we wish him well and uh, hope to see Birdsell back in the rotation soon. I would expect you probably don't see him this coming weekend. Coach Tadlock said they gave him a couple extra days. They probably should have given the week off and let him get fully right. And I bet that those words mean I'm not going to make that mistake again. We're going to give him some time. But hats off to Eli Reekman, who comes into the game, he goes one and a third, gives up a couple hits and runs, but at the end of the day, he came in just completely cold, has to warm up from the mound, and does a really good job for Texas Tech. Connor Queen puts in an inning of work, Haid Key puts in an inning of work, and it's Levi Wells that finishes things out with an inning of his own. So you don't get incredibly deep into the bullpen you don't run seven eight nine guys out anything like that Uh, everybody's able to contribute and get things done as they need to it's Key who ultimately earns the win as he goes an inning pitch he has gives up a hit no runs one walk one strikeout a little bit of a Johnny bullpen mentality all the way around on the day but you also pushed Hornfrog Frog pitching pretty hard, and they did not have a lot of answers. They went through six pitchers on the day, no injuries there. Their starter, Johnny Ray, has actually run a little bit earlier than Birdsell without an injury. You run him in two and a third. He gave up three hits, six runs, four walks, had three strikeouts, pushed his ERA up to almost a seven from a 3.57 when he entered. It was a little two-out magic to start things off. Jace Young pounded a no-doubter over the left field wall, for a solo home run, gave you the early lead, and you never looked back from there. A single and then a walk in the second resulted in an RBI walk after a hit by pitch loaded the bases. There's an RBI walk issued to Parker Kelly and then an RBI ground out to get you a couple more there in the second. And that, of course, ran a pitcher as well before too long as he continued to really struggle. You almost bat around in the third. As two leadoff walks to Jace Young and Cole Stillwell, they both come around to score when Cody Masters, old number seven, gets up, and he pounds a monster home run over the center field wall. Just destroys this ball. Excited for Cody Masters. It's been a long road for him coming back from a long and nagging injury Good to see him right and swinging it big. And, you know, Coach Tadlock says a lot that these guys are putting together good at bats. And I think that's important to understand that he means, hey, we're not looking at batting averages. We're looking at what they're doing up there at the plate. What are they learning? What are they finding out? What are the, what's their approach look like? Are they swinging at good pitches, waiting for good pitches? That's the kind of thing they're looking for when they've got these guys in. And it's starting to pay off as they got better and better game by game this weekend. So Jace Young hits the first home run, Cody Masters hits the second, it's a three-run shot. You get another run across in the fourth, Braxton Fulford has a leadoff single, he's hit home by Cole Stilwell with an RBI double to left center field, and then you unleash Hell in the sixth inning. As Jace Young leads the inning off with a solo home run to right center field, and then bats all the way back around and follows it with a three-run shot again later. That's followed for a back-to-back home run as Cole Stilwell pounds a solo shot of his own with two outs over the left field wall. The Red Raiders were relentless. They played nine in the sixth inning and it was no looking back from there. No rally at that point. You end up with a 17-7 run rule win in a rubber match of a top 10 series against a Big 12 opponent. Texas Tech's now won four of the last five regular season series against TCU. And I understand TCU's been up and down. They're very up this year. They're ranked number 10. They had swept two Big 12 series, and they come into Lubbock and take one what looks like handily on Friday night and then turn around and lose them them two in a row. One walked off. High energy, lots of emotion, turn around the next day and get run ruled and sent back to Fort Worth. It's pretty exciting stuff, and you love seeing tech putting some things together. So, Texas Tech has not played more baseball games against any opponent. TCU is the most prolific opponent for the Red Raiders. This was the 177th game of that series. Tech holds the lead in Lubbock, TCU holds the overall series lead, but this is the first time ever in 177 games that the Red Raiders have run-ruled the TCU Hornfrogs. Frogs. I think that's saying something about this team and what their grit and mentality is, because on top of the fact that you did all of this, you did it without Dylan Noisy for the majority of the game. You did it without Drew Baker, and you did it with some other guys that have been in and out of the lineup seeing some limited action. So I thought it was a fantastic game on Sunday, and I'm really proud of what those guys did. It was a lot of fun to watch. That was the second time Tech scored nine runs in an inning. They did it against USF as well. Uh, It was the second run rule win, as Tech run ruled Houston Baptist earlier in the year. And that's the second time in two weeks and the third time this season the Red Raiders have hit at least five home runs in a game. They hit six in their opener at K-State when they unleashed it on the Wildcats there. That's back-to-back home runs for the fourth time this season. And that's the third time in the last two weeks, and that includes the back to back to back, which tech did at k state and Of course that was the second time this season they went back to back to back. Here's an interesting one for you, an interesting little nugget. The Red Raiders are eleven and three when they hit at least one home run in a game now to me, of course, the run and the runs generated by that home run is is important. But to me, that says that's a team that's feeding on the energy of a hitter getting a big swing, of showing them that that pitcher is mortal, that he can be got to, and then they're going to feed off of that. That's a big deal for this team. And it doesn't hurt when you got a guy in Jace Young who has now hit a tied for the national lead 15 home runs. 15 home runs right now at the 29th game. Of the 2021 season, yes, 29 games. Tech is 22 and seven. This was game 29. Jay Young has hit 15 home runs. That matches what Josh Young hit in an All American 2019 season over a 64 game season. You're hearing game 29. Cam Warren was sitting behind me today on Sunday, and we were talking a little bit about it. And he said it's ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. He's probably going to hit 25 this year. Now, that's a guy that knows what big swings look like. He knows how to do it, and I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch what Jace Young puts together over the next few games, and I also start to wonder, how long did guys pitch to him? He hit three home runs against three different pitchers. He hit it against Johnny Ray, the starter for the Horned Frogs. It was a two-out solo home run in the first. He had another one as the second batter face. That was the solo home run in the sixth, it was the leadoff home run, and then when you bat back around, there's been two pitching changes by that point, and it's another one, a leadoff home run against Dalton Brown, and that's the three-run shot, so the guy is seeing it like crazy right now, he's swinging so well, and it's just a lot of fun to watch, I mean, I know everybody's excited about it, it's the big storyline, but... It's been a ton of fun. I mean, what else can you say about a 17-7 victory at home run ruling these guys? It's just what the doctor ordered for Texas Tech, and I'm excited to see what comes next. You have a midweek this week. Finally, two midweek games, Stephen F. Austin coming to town to face the Red Raiders. We'll talk about them in just a second, but I do want to look at some stats for you. I already told you, Jace Young, he's leading the Big 12, of course. He's also tied for number one in the country. He's got 15 home runs, 44 RBIs, which leads the team by far. The next closest is Cal Conley with 28. Next closest with home runs is Braxton Fulford with six. Conley has five uh, as well. Jace Young's OPS is a 1.369. He's slugging an 8.65 and his on base percentage, which leads the team is 504. Incredible what he's doing right now. That's in 111 ABs. He's got 45 hits on the season. He's also, in addition to 15 home runs, he's got six doubles for Texas Tech, so 21 extra base hits for him. That leads the team as well. Uh, it's incredible what he's doing, and he's, he's humble about it. He's a high-energy guy, but it's a lot of fun seeing what he said. He said in the post game that he got a pretty succinct kudos from Josh. He got a text that just said, wow, with an exclamation point. It was a heck of a day for Jace Young on Sunday. Drew Baker and Dylan Noisy are still in the top four st- statistically for the Red Raiders. Of course, limited action uh, for them this weekend. Kurt Wilson's batting a .261. He's got... 11 RBI this season now Wilson got injured as well and here's another thing that's a little bit of a struggle Wilson slides into third base and jams his thumb I don't know how lingering that might be hand stuff can be a little funky especially when you think about hitting but Dylan Noisy then is forced to come back in and coach Tadlock said it was a must there was no other choice and that makes me a little uneasy when you've got Noisy and Baker out right now and coach Tadlock doesn't feel like he has other answers to plug in in the outfield if he needs to so got to keep an eye on that need some guys to get healthy Parker Kelly and Braxton Fulford both hitting a 259 right now Fulford does have 23 RBIs of course he's played quite a bit more this season PK still so strong defensively at third base had a couple times this weekend that you wish he would have held on to a ball uh when he had to really charge hard for one or go deep for one, Uh, but generally such great defensive ability, especially moving to the foul line. Man, diving to the foul line, diving towards the bag, he's incredible out there. and uh, The Red Raiders... You know they they had three errors on Saturday and they overcame those and won with the walk off. No errors on Sunday and it was just a much cleaner defensive day for Tech than the Friday and Saturday games were. So definitely like seeing them put those things together. Pitching staff-wise, Patrick Monteverdi, as I said, he has a 2.58 ERA. His whip is still below a 1 at a .9. He's 52 strikeouts to 6 walks right now. He's allowing a two hundred fifteen batting average to opposing batters in 45 and a third innings pitched. Brandon Bertzel's at a 3.06, 36 strikeouts to 9 walks. Montgomery, 36 strikeouts to 17 walks. Micah Dallas, 32 strikeouts to 10 walks. Ryan Sublette, 29 strikeouts. To six walks, these guys are doing exceptional work right now. I'm really curious to see, and nobody in the media asked Coach Tadlock on Sunday. I wasn't covering this one. Our buddy Randy was. Nobody asked who the midweek starters would be for the Red Raiders. Chase Hampton, you would assume would be one, uh, but Micah Dallas was getting those starts at one point when you still had the midweeks, and so I'm not sure who else you might see jump into that role. Or if it's somebody you give an opportunity to, is it like a Chase Webster, or a Josh Sanders, who we saw some really good things from? Do you try to get Connor Queen some innings under his belt? And not necessarily a starter, but you know, starting in a game like that, and you can use the bullpen a little bit uh, and give a few guys some opportunities to get some innings uh, Andrew Devine, another guy that they I know would love to get more innings under his belt, or is it like a Brendan Girton? So we'll end up seeing, of course, who that is as, as those previews come out. So the last thing for you tonight, the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks are headed to town, coming over here from Nacogdoches, and... I think that it'll be another good midweek test for the Red Raiders. It's not uh, a world beating team coming in here by any means, but they've had some interesting games over the season. They're 12 and 14. Uh, they're 5 and 11 on the road, 6 and 3 at home, 1 and 0 in neutrals. Their season opening series against Central Michigan was canceled. Didn't get to play the Chippewas, but then they did hand Oklahoma a 9 5 loss at Globe Life Park in Arlington. That was a season-opening victory for Stephen F. Austin. They lost a series to UT Arlington. They won one out of the three, 5-2, dropped a 9-3 game at TCU in a midweek. They were swept by Lamar, 1-4, 1-5, 2-3, in Beaumont, and then also swept by Nichols in a four game. Now, they're close games, 6-8, 2-3, 1-2, 1-2. That's a Southland game. They split a four-game series with New Orleans, winning two and losing two. And they swept McNeese in four games in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Ended up with three wins out of four against University of Incarnate Word. That was at home. Two of those were 11-1 to wins and then a 14 nothing Lost 15-9 in the second game. And then they beat Grambling State 10-8. That was Tuesday, April 6th. Lost to the Longhorns in Austin 9-1 to last Wednesday, and then they were actually idle this weekend. So when the uh, Lumberjacks come to town to play Tech on Tuesday the 13th, Wednesday the 14th, they will not have played since the previous Tuesday, Wednesday on the 6th and 7th. And then they'll head back home to play Southeastern Louisiana in a four-game stand. So that's what they're doing in the Southland, playing those four-game series. So Stephen F. Austin will be in Lubbock Tuesday night, 6 30 p.m. on ESPN Plus, Big Twelve Now, of course, Texas Tech Sports Network on the radio, I would I'm sure. And it'll be the same thing on Wednesday, but that's at one o'clock in the afternoon. Now I would keep an eye on those, keep a close eye, and we'll let you know at redraiderdugout.com and on the social media feeds as well. There's going to be quite a few cooler days this week and lots of rain expected in Lubbock. So I would keep an eye out to see as those times how they move and what may may happen to affect those. We'll let you know as soon as we know as well. When you look at the Lumberjacks, statistically, they're led offensively by Skylar Black. He's their only player batting over 300. He's hitting a 303. He's got 20 hits on the season. That doesn't lead the team. Cameron Crawford has 23, uh, but Black is slugging 545. He is their home run leader with four. He's actually tied with Chaney Dodge, who also has four. He's got 17 RBI. That leads the team as well. He's got six walks on the season, so it's Kyle Cullen who leads them with 13 walks. Cameron Crawford, who I mentioned, has 11. Those are the only two in double digits, really. Um, On-base percentage also... Led by Kyle Cullen at a 394, and then Skylar Black pretty high with 385. But not a lot of prolific offense that you're seeing here when you're at this point in the season and your RBI leader has 17. Uh, you're really not lighting it up too much. Uh, Cameron Crawford, also the speedster for them. He's 10 for 14 in stolen base attempts. So because these guys are playing four game weekend series and they didn't play one this last weekend. It's a little iffy on who the starters might be from the Lumberjacks. Jacob Stobart started their... Tuesday game last week. He actually leads the team with 30 innings pitched. He's also one of their weekend starters. So, not sure if you would see him in a midweek start this week, considering the weekend. Although in his last midweek start, he did go limited, only one and two thirds. Uh, so, it may be a deal where they're doing Johnny bullpen. Maybe they're using a starter but keeping him limited so he's available again the next weekend. Uh, that remains to be seen. But if it is him, he's got a 4.50 ERA. He is 0 and four on the season. He's got 23 strikeouts, giving up 15 walks, which is uh, tied for second highest as far as walks go on the team. He's giving up a 269 batting average against. Another guy to look at is Ben Emmons. He got a start last midweek as well. He's got a 265 ERA and 17 innings pitched. He's 2 and 0 on the season. He's got 15 strikeouts to eight walks. So. In that four game starting, in that four game weekend format, you're going to have a lot of guys moving through. It's tough, especially for these smaller schools that don't have the pitching depth that a team like the Red Raiders have. Um, so, any number of guys could be in. I would imagine you'll see quite a few. I mean, let's just be honest. You should be in another run rule situation. You should be. Able to dominate these guys, there shouldn't be you know crazy excitement uh, going on in these games. If there is, you're playing a little bit down to your competition, I'm afraid, and that's a situation too. I know that they beat Oklahoma early in the season, but the Red Raiders are humming now. Your offense is humming. You got guys leading the nation in offensive categories. You know, leading the Big Twelve conference, and. You should be able to take care of these guys offensively, and you should have the pitching depth, particularly in the bullpen, and even though you're going to try to get some guys work, I feel like, uh, to to handle these guys pretty well. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of pitchers get some time, especially those younger pitchers. See Tadlock work a bunch of freshman arms in and try to get them an inning here and there. Uh, Brady Lejeune Diacutis comes to mind as a guy that he likes to work in in some of these, and there's plenty of others as well. So we'll see. Uh, how it goes as far as that midweek, but it's good to have that tune up before you head into another Big 12 road series. And it's going to be a big one as the Red Raiders will hit the road to play at West Virginia. Always a tough place to play, has not been a place that's been kind to Texas Tech over the last few years. That'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. I'll have another episode for you coming after the SFA midweeks, looking ahead to West Virginia and recapping the Lumberjacks couple of more fun facts that I'm going to leave you with here about Jace Young and Cody Masters. Masters, that was his fifth home run of the season that he hit on Sunday. All eight of Cody Masters hits this season have gone for extra bases. That's not a bad stat to have. Now, Cody Masters has had some limited action. He's worked his way back from this injury that he's dealt with. He looks like he might be a pretty good guy to have in that DH spot and maybe starting to lock that thing down. It's a lot of fun to see. I'm excited for him. That was his second three RBI game this season, and pretty cool to have that many extra base hits uh, out of your total number of hits. So five home runs, eight extra base hits for him this season, and he's only going to continue to get better. Hope he gets a little bit more time Jace Young had a three-home-run day, if you'll recall. That's his second three-home-run game in the last two weekends. He hit four home runs in this series against TCU. He has seven dingers over the last six games. It's his fourth multi-home-run game of the season. And it's a team-leading 12th multi-RBI game this season. Jace Young is on fire right now love watching the passion, love watching the excitement, love watching the team get up for all these guys coming and doing this stuff. It has been a lot of fun. It was a fun weekend. I want to say thank you to my friends, George and Linda McMahon. They invited me to come sit with them right behind the plate on Sunday. Couldn't have picked a better game for it. It was a beautiful day. A lot of fun to get to be down there. Totally different viewpoint than where I'm used to over at first base, but uh, really enjoy that and appreciate them having me over there. But y'all, Thank you, as always, for your support of RedRaiderDugout.com. We're trying to get better every passing week. Appreciate Randy Rosetta and all the work he's putting in, making this thing great. He's an excellent journalist, y'all. Make sure you're reading those stories. He does a fantastic job. Tell your friends about what we're doing. We'll keep the Dinger Derby podcast coming your way as we go on through this season. We'll see what comes. Who knows what it is, but I guarantee you wins will make all of it better and it will keep all of the questions with easy answers. So let's keep winning, and we'll see where this thing takes the Red Raiders this year. SFA coming to town. Catch those games Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll be back in your feed on Thursday looking ahead to West Virginia. Y'all be good. We'll see you around the ballpark. Have a great week. Until we see you next time, wreck em.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, Wreckham Tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth, that's a dead man or a gringo like me.